The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. The Jeff Dean Show starts now. Welcome back to hour number two, today's edition of the Jeff Dean Show. I am Jeff Dean here with you on this Thursday morning, June the 9th. It is 8.03 uh, on your uh, Tucson Thursday, and uh, whether you're tuning in on the AM side at 1490 on the FM side at 104.9, or if you're listening via the live stream, which can be found on ESPNTucson.com or your Alexa-enabled devices, I do appreciate you tuning in here to the Jeff Dean Show. I know that you have... Uh, choice of where you lend your ears to gather your sports news and information and entertainment and opinions. And I appreciate you choosing the Jeff Dean Show. You can also download the podcast and listen at your leisure. You can download the podcast directly from ESPNTucson.com or anywhere you get your podcasts. Uh, you shop for your podcast and download them from there. Before we get into today's topic, I'm going to give away some tickets. The D-backs tickets. We're going to give them away right now. Be caller number three. At 520-719-1490. That's 719-1490. Caller number three is going to win themselves a pair of tickets to go see the Diamondbacks take on the Minnesota Twins on Saturday, June 18th. Uh, good luck. Dial now, 719-1490. Caller number three going to win those tickets. Good luck. Thank you for listening and enjoy the game. All right. It is time to get into the topic that uh, I posed yesterday on Twitter. The the Twitter discussion yesterday, which Sean Miller era player would have benefited the most from this new brand of Arizona basketball under Tommy Lloyd. This is something that I had thought about last week while I was out of commission, basically sitting in a dark, quiet room trying to, you know, recover from the concussion that I had because I couldn't be around any kind of bright lights or loud noises so I had a lot of time to spend thinking about things in my own head. And this is one of the ideas, one of the thoughts that I had had. And I uh, immediately went to a couple of names and then started kind of pouring through some of the, you know, the other names and such. And I, I, wanted, I want to say this. I laid out three parameters for myself. I'm, this, these are not the rules for you, but these are the three rules for myself that I laid out because I think there's – there's substantial reasons to include these rules for the purposes of my choice for this particular player. Number one, I wanted to make sure that I chose a player that had committed to Sean Miller out of high school. No transfers. Okay? So nobody, nobody that transferred to Arizona, you know, T.J. McConnell or anything like that. No transfers. Guys who committed to, to Arizona under Sean Miller from high school. Okay? I also wanted to make sure I didn't, you know, I wanted to exclude any players that were bridge players, that, that were coached by Sean and by Tommy Lloyd. So Benedict Matherin, Dale and Terry, uh, Christian Coloco, all, you know, all those guys, I, I wanted to leave them off the list, okay, because we saw them coached by Tommy. So we don't need to, we don't need to know. And it's, you know, it's not a fair, you know, assessment anyway. So, um, so I left them off the list as well because some of you were choosing Benedict Matherin as you know who would have benefited more uh, most, and I you know, he's going to be a lottery pick, so I don't know how much more you can benefit. And which brings me to my third point: I don't want I didn't want to choose any players who were lottery picks for Sean. Sean had five lottery picks during his time in Tucson: DeAndre Ayton, Derek Williams, Aaron Gordon, 
Stanley, and Lowry. Okay? Those were his five lottery picks. So I wanted to exclude. I wanted to include all five of those because honestly, like, wh- like what benefit would they have gotten playing a year for Tommy? You know, I mean, uh, you, you know, all of them were lottery. De- DeAndre Ayton was the number one pick in the draft, and he was a popular choice on Twitter yesterday from fans, listeners, members of the media even, who said that DeAndre Ayton would have benefited most. I'm like, he's the number one pick in the draft. What, like, what, what else was Sean going to do with him? Like, I, you know, again, I, I don't know. I, that, that doesn't make any sense to me, but everybody has their opinions, and I'm not here to slam your opinions. I just wanted to make rules for myself so that I can start truncating the list into more what I felt more deserving, more reasonable choices for this particular exercise. A lot of people said Lowry Markkinen, and a lot of people stand behind the fact that Lowry would have benefited more from playing for Tommy. And I think that, you know, what people see is a Euro player who, you know, six foot ten, six foot eleven, was a stretch four with a great looking jump shot, um, and just never kind of realized his potential at Arizona. I will say this. Now, there are several players that came to mind to me that I had conversations with Sean Miller about, whether we were, you know, we, whether we talked at length about them or whether it was just kind of, you know, just a, a little quip about that particular player. I can tell you this, and, and, and uh, before I give you my name for the player who I think is my choice for this, for this, particular, uh, this particular topic, I will I will give some insight into some of the players that that were chosen. Lowry Markkinen was a really really popular uh, vote in uh, on Twitter in this particular topic yesterday. I can tell you this: as traveling with the team during the time that Lowry was with them, I can tell you that Lowry was not. Uh, it wasn't that he was disliked by the team; he just didn't make a connection with his teammates. He was. He was often by himself. Um, he, you know, closed himself off in a, in a lot of ways, even just like on the team bus and things like that. And I'm not saying that, that Lowry was, you know, out of place or anything. I just feel like he was timid. And that carried on to the court because there were plenty of times where Lowry was wide open with opportunities to shoot his jump shot. And if he missed – on the on the previous possession, he would not take that shot. He would not. He lacked a lot of confidence. And that was the one thing that I noticed about Lowry's game. So Sean and I were talking about it once, and we were talking about his his confidence. And if Sean felt that that he you know, he kind of stripped Lowry of his confidence at any point in time. And I saw the way that he coached Lowry. He wanted Lowry to shoot every time he was open. There was no, there was no. I want you to make sure that you're getting the right shot in the, you know, in the moment. I don't want you to to be, you know, firing off threes with 22 seconds left on the shot clock. We got to run our offense. There was none of that from Sean. Sean was like, "You were here to shoot the ball. Shoot the ball. You're the best shooter we have. Please shoot the ball. We need you to score 20 points a game if we're going to win." And unfortunately for you know for Lowry. You know, he averaged 15 and a half a game. He was the number seven overall pick in the in the NBA draft. He played, you know, he, he played well. He shot nearly 43% from beyond the arc. Uh, like, shoot the ball more. Like, 
there were times where we're just like, oh, shoot the ball. And there, I mean, trust me, I don't know what more, honestly, I really don't. I don't know what more Sean could have done with Lowry here at Arizona. First of all, look, obviously a really good player. The 2016-2017 team, Justin Spears, our own Justin Spears, commented on Twitter and was talking about it yesterday on his show that he believes that the 2016-17 team would have gone to the Final Four under Tommy Lloyd. I'm not here to, de- to, to debate that. That's a different topic for a different time. I don't really like to compare how coaches would have coached a team differently to different heights and things like that because Tommy had a really talented team last year, didn't get him to the Final Four. So, you know, and I'm not taking that away from Tommy. It was an amazing season last year, and we're all celebrating what Arizona did. So I'm not trying to get into that. Do I think that things would have been different for Arizona? Certainly the team would have looked different. Uh, in 2016, 2017. But I don't think Lowry would have benefited the most. He would have benefited some, I believe, uh, from from being with Tommy because Tommy embraces the European players a little bit more than I think Sean did at the time. Sean was still somewhat new <clears throat> to the European avenue. So, uh, you know, and that's not to take away from, you know, from what Sean did with Lowry because he made him the number seven overall pick in the draft. But I don't know if there's anything else he could have done. So, I, you know, I, I, I wanted to make sure that I kept some rules for myself. And, I, and, and, like, while I was thinking about who the player was going to be, I remember conversations that I had, either, either conversations I had with Sean or the ability to watch the player be coached by Sean, whether it be in the games or specifically at practices. And there's a player that I did not get to see. This player left the program before I got – to be involved with the program. Uh, I watched a lot of this player, obviously, because he had a great career at Arizona. Uh, but I was never able to see practices. I was never able to talk with Sean about this player, although this was a player that I'd always wanted to talk with Sean about. It just never came up uh, in conversations and such. But my choice for this particular exercise and the which Sean Miller-era player would have benefited the most from Tommy Lloyd's brand of basketball is Brandon Ashley. I... I, I've always thought, you know, people remember Brandon, you know, for the broken foot in the, you know, in the uh, the 2014 season that kind of derailed that team's chances at winning a natty. I mean, most most Arizona fans believe that that 2014 team was a Final Four caliber team, and they would have won the championship had Brandon Ashley been been healthy the entire time. He was that kind of an impact of a player. The reason I think Brandon would have benefited the most from playing for Tommy is because, you know, when you look at that, when you look at that squad, okay, you look at that, at that particular team um, that, you know, the, and I'm, and I'm talking about the, uh, the 2000, the 2014, uh, 2015 team specifically, right? The, you know, the, the final year, Brandon Ashley's final year. I don't want to talk about the year he was injured because we can't, we can't compare that, but the 14, 15 season, Stanley was there. That was Brandon, TJ, Rondé. And, you know, this was, you know, this was essentially a situation where, uh, you know, a, a, a great collection of starters. I just feel like, like Bash was, he was a guy that could have expanded his game at the power forward role a little bit more and made himself a lot more enticing to NBA scouts. Because when you look at his numbers and things like that that he did, uh, well, you know, while he was at Arizona, 
if you look at his per-game stats, he shot 38% from three, but he only attempted less than one three-pointer per game at his time at Arizona. And, you know, you would see Brandon in the, the pregame, uh, you know, the pregame shoot-arounds and things like that, and he was a very accomplished shooter. He had a real good smooth stroke, looked good out there. But because he was so good with his back to the basket, and Sean loved having have, you know, having him as an uh, as a player for uh, you know for guys like you know like his guards obviously with with TJ there TJ was so good at interior passing that he wanted to make sure that he spread the floor using Stanley Rondé Gabe you know those players and then gave other teams fits by having a twin tower essentially inside by having uh, Caleb and Brandon inside and Brandon. To his credit, a fantastic bas- uh, back to the basket type of player, but he was also extremely athletic. You know, Brandon was a long strider. He could really run. He was fluid in his movement, and he could stretch the floor and shoot. And in in Tommy's system, in a movement based type system like that, it was going to give him the opportunity to handle the ball at the top of the key, as opposed to immediately running, you know, into the paint putting his back to the basket and putting his hand up in the air waiting for a pass. Uh, I felt like Brandon would have benefited more from having the ball in his hands, be a little more ball dominant. And that's the type of, of play that would have, you know, that Tommy's system would have afforded him essentially. Uh, you know, there was, there was some votes for, you know, for Caleb and for, for Dusan. I thought, I thought Dusan, <laughs> I thought Sean got every ounce out of Dusan, every Every bit that Dusan had to give, he gave to Arizona basketball. I don't think there's anything anybody else could have done more with Deuce. Uh, Deuce was, you know, just a a force of nature out there. <laughs> you know, a, a, aside from all of the, you know, all of the things that he had to work against, uh, you know, with lack of athleticism and slow feet and all that kind of stuff, he was he was spectacular and he worked his ass off and he gets all the credit in the world for that. I don't think anybody any coach changes Deuce. There were some other votes for Parker Jackson Cartwright, and I think a lot of this is recency bias because of how successful Parker is right now in the league that he's playing in, and he is. Certain players take different times to mature. Okay, what did we see? Uh, you know, another Sean Miller era player with Kyle Fogg, and we love Kyle Fogg at Arizona. He was a he was a dog at at Arizona, right? He was like he was a boss, and he was a, you know he's a really good player but didn't get a sniff from the NBA. Then he goes over to the league in China and is like the greatest player in the history of that league. Won the championship three years in a row, three-time MVP, getting paid all kinds of money. Like Kyle was the man. Sometimes players mature at different levels, different ages than others do. Humans, just that just happens for humans. I feel like PJC was kind of the same way, even though even – though I remember hearing Parker talk for the first time because here's Parker looks like a stiff breeze would carry him away. And uh, like, hey, how you doing, Parker? How you doing? Like, what, what was it? Where did it come from? <laughs> this big old deep voice. Like, where? whoa, that was unexpected. I thought, I thought Parker was another player that uh, was somewhat unsure of himself. And Sean and I had discussions about PJC and – I believe that Sean feels like I, I I genuinely think that Sean takes a lot of the a lot of I don't want to say blame. 
I think Sean puts a lot of PJC's performance at Arizona on his own shoulders. Um, I think he felt like he put a lot of pressure on Parker. It was pressure partly that was Sean's issue and pressure that was partly Parker's issue because he had to follow TJ, right? Like the fan favorite, the guy who kissed the logo on his way off the court, who did all these amazing things for Arizona, but, you know, was this incredible personality, goes into the NBA, is loved by the fans at whatever team he was playing for. You know, they were they were chanting MVP for T.J. McConnell when he was playing for the Pacers when he was at the free throw line. Like, the, the, the whole crowd was chanting MVP for T.J. McConnell. Parker had to follow that guy. So Parker already knew that there was an extreme amount of pressure on him. And whether Sean acknowledges it or not, or whether Sean realized it at the time, I believe Sean was just kind of piling on with that. And there was never, I never heard, and all the practices and all the games and everything that I ever was involved in, never once did I hear Sean say, why can't you be more like TJ? There was never that, first of all, he never spoke those specific words. Second of all, I don't believe there was ever any kind of inference. Like, hey, the last guy played better defense than you, or, you, you know, the, 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 you're replacing a legend here at Arizona, whatever. There was never any of that. But I kind of feel like the relationship that Sean had with TJ was part of the reason why there was somewhat of a disconnect between Parker and Sean during the time that Parker was here. And it, well, there was no... There was no animosity between the two by any stretch of the the amount. I mean, no more than there are for any player and a coach. Coach yells at a player, player you know acknowledges the coach, and then after practice, like man, screw that guy. <laughs> I don't have to listen to that guy. He doesn't know what he's talking about. He's an old man. He don't know the game like I do now. All the, I mean, every player does that when they're being coached up and coached hard. And Sean coached hard. And I don't, you know, I've never been to a Tommy Lloyd practice, so I don't. I don't know. I don't know that side of Tommy. I don't know if he coaches hard. I don't think he does. Tommy is a uh, certainly not the way Sean does or Sean did. Because I don't know. Maybe Sean has changed his ways now. Maybe he's less of a of a hard ass at practice and such. Maybe he practice, maybe he coaches less you know aggressively to his players. But I remember you know him talking to guys like Brandon Williams, you know, at practice and stuff, and being like. You committed to play for me because you knew that I coached you hard and that's what you wanted. Like, Sean knew. Like, Sean knows people. Like, he knows how to get to guys. And I think just maybe sometimes it's a little too much for someone. And I'm not saying that Parker would have been great under Tommy because I think Sean did great jobs with all of the point guards he had. But if you're asking me if there's one player who would have benefited the most from playing for Tommy Lloyd in this particular system, it's Brandon Ashley. Just simply because he did not even get drafted by an NBA team. And I think if Brandon playing in this type of motion offense gets the opportunity to handle the ball at the top of the key, is able to distribute a little bit more. Brandon had some handles, too, he would have had to work on because Tommy demands that from every single one of his players. You have to have handles in this offense. If you don't have handles, you don't play, period, end of story. Sean would play if he didn't have handles. Gabe York played point guard all the time. Gabe has zero handles, <laughs> or had them, had zero handles. He probably got handles now, maybe a little better. But if, if you don't have handles, you don't play in Tommy's system, period. You know, Tommy does a great job at coaching bigs to be more ball-dominant players. 
get size, get length out there, spread the floor with those guys and make them handle the ball, make them distribute, make them shoot. And I just, I just feel like Brandon Ashley was that dude. Like he was, he was that guy to be the center point of that offense, not Stanley. Stanley would not have been the center point of that offense in this particular, this particular system. It would have been Brandon. Brandon would have averaged 19 points a game, and Brandon gets drafted. I guarantee, guarantee you, Bash gets drafted if he plays for Tommy. Just because, and again, it's, it's, you know, maybe it's an indictment on the NBA scouts, too, for not realizing what Brandon Ashley was, the type of player, the type of impact that he could have on your offense. Because he was a spectacular offensive player. So good. So sure of himself. You can't teach that kind of stuff. But uh, I just, uh, that's kind of my vote. And, uh, you know, look, feel free to share with me what you think. I, I saw a couple people mention Brandon Ashley in the uh, in the Twitter thread. Wonder why, you know, you chose Brandon. You know, maybe you feel the same way that I do. Maybe you saw the same things that I did. And, again, I, I laid out some rules for myself, so I didn't want to put lottery guys in there. But, you know, there are certain guys that would have obviously – averaged more points per game, maybe get drafted two spots higher. You know, Derek Williams maybe gets drafted number one overall or something. I don't know. That, that, that kind of stuff doesn't matter to me. They, I, I want to look and see if a guy never got a sniff of the NBA, but maybe would have if he had played in a different system. Congratulations to Silas Ramirez. Silas Ramirez was the winner of our D-backs tickets today. Congratulations, Silas. Thank you for listening and enjoy the game. Uh, with uh, whomever you happen to make the journey with up to Phoenix to uh, to watch that game. Coming up after the break, some other players that I had considered for this particular for this particular topic of Sean Miller era players who would have benefited most from Tommy Lloyd's system. We'll talk about that next, right here on the Jeff Dean Show. The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Now back to the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. Welcome back to the Jeff Dean Show here. Still continuing our discussion on the topic of which Sean Miller era player would have benefited the most from playing in Tommy Lloyd's system. We had some great suggestions. As I mentioned, great suggestions yesterday. There were, uh, as I mentioned, a lot of people that had mentioned DeAndre Ayton. He was number one pick in the draft. Like, not sure how he would have benefited any more from that. Uh, Alonzo Trier got some votes. Lowry got some votes. And, and, you know, I understand why the Lowry votes are coming in, but he was number seven overall pick in the draft. And his NBA career has been, uh, you know, spotty. He's had some great moments. And, has been, you know, kind of one of those guys where the fan base is just waiting for him to explode. He's got the he's got the skills. I remember talking with Sean about about Lowry, and we were just sitting there at practice watching him shoot, and uh, Sean's like, he doesn't belong here. Like he he doesn't need to be here. Like this guy should be in the NBA doing this right now, but because of the rules, he has to be here. And maybe that's part of the reason why Lowry was the way that he was in here. Maybe Lowry was like midway through the season, like. I don't need to be here. There are certainly players that have played like that over the time, and not just at Arizona, but everywhere, right? Guys are just kind of like, oh, I don't need to be here. This is a waste of my time. I should be in the NBA making money right now. I'm bitter, and I'm just going to go through the motions, not show up for classes, blah, 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 blah. And look, Lowry was always in class. Lowry's a, a, a delight to be around. I loved being around Lowry. 
I still I still can't hear the word lasagna without hearing Lowry Markinen say it. <laughs> because of the he loved lasagna. There, there had to be lasagna at every meal because he loved it. It was his favorite thing in the world. <laughs> What'd you have for dinner tonight, Lowry? Lasagna. <laughs> I can't hear it without hearing Lowry say it. Um so I mean, look, I, I I don't I don't think Lowry would have would have benefited all that much from from being here with Tommy. And you know, if Lowry were a player who came here unpolished and uh, you know come to Arizona, you know, unpolished from Finland and just kind of like a a kid who was going to come off the bench and you know try to discover, then maybe maybe Lowry was a starter from day one. He, everybody knew he was a lottery pick the day that he landed in Tucson. There were some other votes, too, for some other players that were interesting. Rondé was an interesting one. Several people mentioning Rondé Hollis-Jefferson. I love me some Rondé Hollis-Jefferson. I don't, I, don't, I don't know how he fits in with Tommy's system. Like, Rondé was, personality-wise, would have fit in really well with, you know, with Tommy and, uh, you know, the staff and the looseness and, you know, things like that and the, you know, the love and the hugs and all that kind of stuff. Like Rondé's a, Rondé's a, a he's a big softy. Like I love Rondé. Um, I, I, don't, I don't know if he would have benefited any more from Tommy's system. There were some others, you know, some other, you know, good, you know, good mentions um, looking, you know, kind of looking through here. Nico getting a couple of votes. I know that Justin said yesterday Chance Comanche would have been would have benefited from from Tommy's system. Maybe. I mean Chance wasn't much of a shooter. Yeah, he was he was a shot blocker, but you know Chance wasn't much of a of a shooter. I don't know what where he could have developed into. There was a couple of other interesting ones and and one that that I got and I, I was talking with um I was texting with uh, with Anthony Jamino this morning and uh, cuz we were just kind of chatting about this and AG gave out a you know gave me a name that I thought originally too it was a name that I had thought of early as well was Kevin Parham, and you know KP was a guy who was so quick in the open floor and physical and could really attack the basket. I do think that Tommy would have loved to have a guy like Kevin Parham. Not to say that Sean didn't. Sean loved Kevin Parham. Like thought the world of KP. You know, Kevin was you know was a was a spotty shooter at best, but given his ability to drive defenses backwards, uh, yeah, I, I think I think that's certainly someone who could have benefited a lot from being in Tommy's system, where it's a little bit more up and down, a little more free flowing, and trying to just really really pressure the rim at all points and times. Another player that I thought, uh, you know, you know potentially. Would have been, uh, you know, would have been a you know another player that would have uh, that would have benefited from that. And look, you know, there, look, there were a lot of guys that kind of you know went through my went through my brain. And this guy had a long career in the NBA, but Solomon Hill, you know, Solomon Hill, based on his skill set, his size, his skill set, his athleticism, I think he could have scored a lot more points here at Arizona, and probably lent himself to a better draft position, I guess, if you will. Uh, but, you know, playing under Sean. But, again, he, you know, he played in the NBA for a long time. And, you know, he, they, you know, the coaches loved him. And I remember having a conversation with Sean about, <laughs> about Solo. <laughs> and, you know, at the time, you know, Solo was uh, annoyed the crap out of Sean. And Sean loves him to death now. But uh, at the time, as a player, it was just like, oh, my God, <laughs> this guy. 
Uh, but yeah, uh, Solo was was definitely another player that that crossed my mind. But ultimately, I came to the decision that I think Brandon Ashley would have benefited the most. Would love to hear your your thoughts on that. Uh, you know, we don't we don't take calls here on the Jeff Dean Show. Unfortunately, we're just not able to. Um, that's you know a big big part of the reason why we're just not able to. We would have to call you, and that's not going to work out too well. Uh, so. <laughs> so we can't just start calling listeners and be like, hey, you want to talk on this? Oh, sorry, I'm uh, busy right now. So um, that's why, you know, one of the big reasons why we don't take calls is because we just can't. Uh, but I'd love to hear from you on Twitter. Tweet me at UAZ Voice. You can, you can send me. My messages are open. If you want to DM me, you're more than welcome to DM me as well. Uh, that's uh, on Twitter at UAZ Voice. would love to hear your thoughts on it as well. This is a, this is a conversation that we can continue to have throughout the days, the weeks, the months, the years, whatever have you, uh, however long they allow me to talk here on the uh, on the show. All right, we're going to take a timeout. More after this, it's the Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson. The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Back to the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. Welcome back to the Jeff Dean Show here. Cruising on through a Thursday in this baseball season, you can swing for the fences on FanDuel Sportsbook because right now, new customers will get $200 in free bets guaranteed when you place your first $5 bet. Just sign up with my promo code, DEAN, that's D-E-A-N, to get in on all the action. Now, FanDuel lets you bet the money line, home run props, strikeout totals, so much more. Plus, you can combine your bets for an even bigger payday with a same-game parlay. And with FanDuel, you can build your same-game parlay your way. You can look for home run hitters who play in home run friendly ballparks. Pitchers over strikeouts bets right now are money. Something as simple as picking a player to get a hit. Or you can add in a series winner bet to your SGP. There's all kinds of different things. Or you can always bet spread, money line, over, under, whatever you like. Or feel free to check out FanDuel's Parlay Builder function for Major League Baseball, which is awesome, which is a one-stop shop for drop-down menus to add to your card. Now, if you haven't tried FanDuel, now is the perfect time to give it a shot. Just join with my promo code, DEAN, that's D-E-A-N, and turn in a $5 bet into $200 in free bets. Win or lose, exclusively on the FanDuel Sportsbook app. 21 and over at President Arizona. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit is required. Bonus issued is non-withdrawable free bets that expire 14 days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See full term to sportsbook.fanduel.com. And if you think you have a gambling problem, please call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342. So we're continuing the discussion here. Uh, people are still weighing in on uh, on Twitter as we uh, as we speak, getting some you know getting some new votes in there. People still think it, uh, that that Lowry is the is the right choice. Again, I'm not I'm not knocking your choice. I would love to find out, you know, how you think that he would have benefited more from playing for Tommy than playing for Sean. I mean, he was the seventh overall pick. I, I don't know what benefits you being a higher pick, you know, <laughs> than than seventh, you know, in the lottery. I, it, it's not it's not a it's not a you know a, a graded scale where you you know the, the number four pick gets you know three million dollars in the seventh pick or whatever. And Lowry's got his you know second contract in the NBA, so he's doing all right for himself. And again, I didn't want to include lottery picks in this because I don't know how that benefits them. So I'm I'm one of those people that I take things you know very literally when people talk about most valuable player. 
I don't. I'm not one of those people who says, "Well, this guy only makes one million dollars a year, and his return on investment was a lot higher than this other player." I like to look at most valuable player and as a, as a as a contest of, you know, when when a team would not have achieved anywhere nearly as much as they did without this guy, you know, without this person on their team, uh, as opposed to just the player with the best statistics, like. In my opinion, and this is a this is an opinion that I shared many times on radio shows that I've hosted in the past. If if LeBron James is, you know, inarguably the best player in the league, and he was for about a dozen years, there was no there was no contest, there was no argument for that. Like now, you can have an argument because he's getting old, and there are other players that have they're changing the game. But for a dozen years, 12, 13, 14, maybe even years. There was no argument that he was the best player in the NBA. Why not just give him the MVP every year? If he's obviously the best player, they make the playoffs every single year. They're in the NBA Finals all the time. And, yeah, maybe he didn't win the championship again that year. But if he's the best player in the in the league, he's obviously the most valuable player. And, yeah, he put up great stats. But, like, why even consider anybody else? And I'm So I'm kind of the same way in this particular argument. Like, sure, uh, you know, you know, Sean had some really good players, and maybe they score more points playing for Tommy because the points per game are up. There's more possessions in a game, you know, things like that. They take more risks on defense to create turnovers and whatnot. But does Derek Williams going from a th- the number three overall pick to the number two overall pick or one overall pick considered considered a benefit? <laughs> uh, I don't know. Stanley Johnson does he go, you know, number five to Charlotte instead of number eight? Where he was drafted, you know, Aaron Gordon, does he move up a spot in the draft? You know, that, that to me doesn't really say benefit. But for a guy like Brandon Ashley, who didn't even get sniffed by the NBA. I mean, he had some workouts. He didn't get drafted or anything. Uh, I feel like, you know, the word benefit is uh, much, much, much more in play there. Now, some people just want to look at the stats. Which, you know, which player would have filled up the stat sheet a hell of a lot more? Yeah, probably Lowry Markin. It probably would have completely filled up the stat sheet if he had just been given – you know, and look, I'm not saying that Sean put the brakes on Lowry. Lowry had the green light anytime he wanted to shoot. Trust me, I, I was at practices. I talked with Sean at length about Lowry. Sean and I were talking a lot on the road that year, and uh, Lowry had green lights when he wanted to. Like he he was encouraged to shoot because he was far and away the best shooter on that team, far and away. And he had guys, you know, he had you know players in his you know in his corner essentially kind of telling him, yeah, dude, take take the shots, man. Like, you, you know, get it done. Take the shots. Kadeem was a guy who was always supportive of Lowry. You know. Some votes for Kobe Simmons. Kobe was a, a an incredibly athletic. Like, I remember watching Kobe in practice, and we were talking about this. We were just, you know, me and, you know, assistants and coaches and whatever. We were sitting there kind of just watching him. And he float. He would float in the air. Like when he jumped, he like it's like he didn't come down for it. Like he would just kind of decide. He'd look around a little bit and then kind of do a finger roll or a dunk. But he just he was so effortless in the air. He, and he like it was like he was floating. It was incredible. Uh, just the kind of athleticism he possessed. I don't know if Kobe bought in to being here. Kobe may have been that aforementioned player who realized that he belonged in the NBA and didn't need to be in college. There were problems with Kobe not going to class. You know, things like that. So I don't know if any of that changes playing for Tommy. These are all things that, again, you know, I have unique and 
you know, and very intricate details in, you know, involved in this, you know, in this conversation because I was with the players, I was with the coaches, talked with the head coach quite often, um, you know, about specifically about players. We would talk about the players on the team all the time. I, I just, you know, there's a, there's a lot of, there's a lot of things that, that get forgotten once a coach is gone and how successful they were. And then there are a lot of things that people just don't know. And that's okay too. I mean, listen, I'm not, I'm not knocking any of your choices out there. I think the, the, the conversation that's being had on Twitter right now for this topic is fantastic. I love the conversation. I wish we could have more of them. I wish we, I wish I could sit in a room with 10 of you and just have a round table discussion because you know, the more you discuss, the more, if people are listening, the more things you discuss and you talk about and you bring up, you know, statistics and facts and, you know, opinions and you bring up, uh, you know, inside information and stuff like that, you start changing people's minds. You start opening your own mind to other to other options. So, I, you know, it's always interesting to uh, to have these kinds of topics. And, look, it's a topic that I think should be, you know, should be discussed and, and you know, at, uh, you know, the work your workplace, at the bar, whatever. Get into it, man. Have some fun with it. Think about, you know, which players, you know, maybe there's a bench player, a guy that, that barely sniffed the court that you feel that, that Sean just completely missed the mark on because Sean had a really tight bench rotation, right, was, was known for that. He would recruit all these guys and then have a really tight bench, would play seven guys in a game. Tommy maybe a little more open, moving guys, allowing guys to, you know, to be more, more mobile and more fluid in their positioning whether they're playing the four, the three, the two, whatever. There's certain things, you know, I mean, and look, I'm not here to argue with people. I'm just here to offer a topic of conversation. If we were sitting at a bar and you said to me, I think Rondé would have benefited the most, I would tell you that Rondé couldn't carry a basketball in a bucket when he was here at Arizona, and there's no way that his handles would have allowed him to be a a, a featured player in Tommy's offense. Rondé couldn't dribble the ball, (laughs) period. Like, he was a liability with the ball in his hands. It was like, catch and ju- just run and, and jump. Don't try to dribble around. We all saw it. Okay? There's no secret here. And like I said earlier, you've got to have handles if you're going to play in Tommy Lloyd's system. You have to. Motion offense requires good ball handling skills. It's because, you know, it, look, and we had great ball handling. You know, Dalen, a much better ball handler than he ever gets credit for. And this team still led the Pac-12 in uh, in turnovers this year, it's just it's just the nature of the beast of the system, just the way it happens. So yeah, <laughs> and like I said, I'm not here to argue with you guys. I'm here to pose a topic and for us to to discuss about. But I'm telling you right now, I, I've seen a lot of votes for Rondé, and I love me some Rondé Hollis Jefferson. I do not think he fits in this in this argument for this this particular topic. All right, well, we're gonna take a time out. When I return, we're already God, it's already that time. Let's take a time out. When I return, we'll put a, a big, bright, red, shiny bow on today's edition of the Jeff Dean Show. That's next right here on ESPN Tucson. The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. More of the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. Welcome back to the Jeff Dean Show here on this Thursday, final segment, today's edition. We've got another pair of tickets to give away tomorrow for the Diamondbacks and Twins on uh, Saturday, June 18th. We've already had four winners this week. Our 
most recent winner today, of course, winning uh, just a little bit earlier in the uh, in the hour today. Silas Ramirez of Tucson got himself a pair of tickets, and uh, we'll have one more pair to give away today. Also, Spears and Ali will have a pair of tickets to give away this afternoon from 3 to 6 p.m. The PGA Tour, this is kind of breaking news from about an hour ago. The PGA Tour has notified 17 members of its tour uh, who are now competing in the inaugural Live Golf event that they will be suspended. <laughs> so they were they were basically kind of toying with the idea yesterday or the day before maybe. Uh, a week ago, it wasn't a really a problem for them. They're like, ah, if you guys are going to jump ship, it's not going to be a problem. Well, now... 17 members of the PGA Tour, some of them very prominent and popular members of the tour, have gone for the money, and they're going to go over to Saudi Arabia and compete for in the uh, the live uh, the live golf tournament, which is being held uh, just outside of London, and uh, the 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 participants now in the live golf event have now been suspended. Now, previously, I think it was yesterday or the day before, PGA said that they were going to be allowed to continue their same, you know, to continue their membership. Um, they could, you know, still continue their tour card and play in the uh, Players' Championship if they, if they, you know, so, uh, so de- decided to. However, uh, they have reversed on that and now are saying that, um, you know, basically those players have made their choice for their own financial-based reasons, and uh, now they – they can't be demanding of uh, you know of having their tour card and all this other stuff if they're going to continue to do that. So um, they're basically pitting themselves against the players now. It says uh, you've made a different choice, which is to abide by the term- tournament regulations you agreed to when you accomplished the dream of earning a PGA Tour card, and more importantly, to compete as part of the preeminent organization in the world of professional golf. So the PGA Tour sending a message today to its uh, members, or now I guess former members, who have decided to jump ship over to the uh, the Live Golf Tournament. Guys like you know Dustin Johnson, Sergio Garcia, uh, Phil Mickelson, obviously, um, Charles Schwartzel, Lee Westwood, you know, guys like that who have, uh, have jumped over. And, and now some of the members of the PGA Tour, I saw, um, I saw Rory speak on it at a, at a press conference yesterday, basically like, you know those guys have got different goals than I do. They uh, they're in it for the money, and I'm in it to win PGA Tour championships and and continue to uh, succeed in you know the highest level of professional golf. I was like, whoa, okay. So look, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna fault these guys for going and chasing the money. We'd all do the same damn thing if you were working for a company and some other company. Even maybe it was if it was nefariously based or against uh, you know things that maybe didn't align with your morals and standards offered you double what you were making or a giant like a a gigantic payout to come and work for them for one year you would do it most of you would some of you would that's fine too no right or wrong in this only what you decide in your own space to do all right well that is going to wrap things up for today's edition of the jeff dean show thanks to mary back in the studio for keeping us on the air here, pushing all the right buttons and keeping us on the air. And, of course, thanks to you guys for tuning in today. We look forward to seeing you guys again tomorrow for a Football Friday edition of the Jeff Dean Show from 7 to 9. We'll see you then right here on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson. 
Thanks for listening to The Jeff Dean Show, Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. Jeff will be back tomorrow morning at 7 on ESPN Tucson.